Jessica. And I'm Rico. And this is ATC Presents Daebak K Rambles, where a couple of friends review Korean dramas. And we are back! The dynamic duo! What is hey. up, Rico? Oh, I'm doing well. Uh, I was cramming as much as my free time within the last uh, two weeks to to watch this show that we're going to talk about today. Um, it was tough because, as you know, my schedule is just, you know, kind of crazy. So, like, I basically wake up, put on the show <laughs> for an episode, get ready for work and go. And then when I yeah. come back home, you know, watch an episode, go to sleep. And that's pretty much what my my life has been the last couple of weeks. And then you so, eat at some point and, you know. Yeah, yeah. There, there's moments where I can eat and, and shower, you know. Thank God. That the, <laughs> like the a time, human. <laughs> yeah, like a human. I'm, I'm glad that I'm allowed to do those things. But, uh, yeah, so this show, I, you know, I'm looking forward to talking about it. For yeah, sure. me too. Me too. It's so good to have you back. We've been having guests on the show pretty much nonstop since you said you couldn't do the show. And uh, I have been having a lot of fun basically by myself. And I'm really excited to basically get at it again, like with you on the show. I have had um, such a weekend because I got, first of all, I got my booster shot mm. on like Saturday and I have been laid up with like cut body fever, all this stuff. Wasn't feeling good. Finally starting to feel okay. Cut body, which is a translation from Spanish, um, cuerpo cortado. Right. <laughs> which is just like when you have body aches. Yes. <laughs> but I always translate it cut body anyway. <laughs> and then we had the Grammys yesterday. We're recording this the day after the Grammys. Right. And BTS performed. Hey. It was amazing. Lovely. Taehyung, uh completely took TikTok and the internet by surprise with his little skit with Olivia Rodrigo. I don't think I've sent you that yet, but I will. Don't worry. Okay. It was a lot to handle. And then today I'm reeling because Big Bang made their comeback. Oh. Do you know Big Bang, yes, right? Like, I'm, I'm aware with GD and TOP and like, oh my God. Yeah. So I have been listening to that song nonstop today. I'm on an emotional high, emotional roller coaster. <laughs> and what's up? Didn't you, I you read the- just recently that uh, BTS is going to have to take a break because they oh, have to okay. serve in the military? Yeah. they. I mean, every Korean male has to serve in the military and they kind of keep fudging the laws for BTS because they're like a cultural asset at this point. But yeah. they have to serve in the military. It's mandatory. So the way the headlines make it seem like, oh, they can't, they they have to go in the military, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's like, But it's not yeah, going to be like. The, everybody does. It's not going to be <laughs> like they're going to see combat. Like, they're just in the military. Well, I mean, well, maybe not, Korea's still at war, technically. That's a but good point. They will have to serve, and it's just a part of life over there. I don't think that the West really understands that. Basically, they don't have a volunteer military like we do. Yeah, you have to serve. Like um, you have to serve. Israel has that as well because right, Gal Gadot. Right. Yeah, Gal Gadot is in the Israeli military. So anyway, that's beside the point. We made a nice big tangent because of my weekend was so full. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> and BTS is in the headlines every other day. Yes, it is. Anyway, before we get into our show, 
Uh, we got some housekeeping. If this is your first time listening, thank you so much for pressing play. Please go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you like us, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That goes such a long way for other listeners to find us just like you. Go ahead and check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ATC Daybok Pod. Also, <laughs> lastly, if you're a fan, please, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your sh- support on the show. I am having a hard time saying that <laughs> phrase. Uh, if you listen to an episode of our other podcast, uh, you'll notice I had a hard time saying the phrase. But you can check out our page at patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. That is our first podcast, Always yeah. Critic Podcast. And so you can help support this show there as well. All right. Now, with all the housekeeping out of the way, do you want to read the Asian wiki synopsis for Beyond Evil? Yes. Let me go ahead and read it. So from the Asian wiki, Lee Dong-sik was once a capable detective. He now works at the Manyang police substation in his small hometown. One day, the young detective, Han Ju-won, is transferred to the same police substation. He is assigned to work as Lee Dong-sik's boss and also his partner. Han Ju-won is an elite detective and comes from a distinguished background. His father has a good chance of becoming the next chief at the National Police Agency. Han Ju-won also has a secret. A serial murder case takes place in a small, peaceful city. The case is the same serial murder case that took place 20 years ago and change Lee Dong-sik's life. The two detectives work to catch the killer. That is the synopsis of the show. Thank you very much, Rico. This show aired from February to April 2021. It is 16 episodes long, and it's currently on Netflix. That's where we watched it. It was directed by Simna Young, and she is a female director who directed At 18 and School of Hip Hop. I have never seen either of those, never even heard of those. It was written by Kim Soo-jin, is a male screenwriter, and he wrote Mad Dog from 2017 with Wu Do-hwan, My Only Love Song from 2017, which is also on Netflix. It's a Netflix original. And he wrote Weightlifting Fairy Kim bok Ju from 2017, which is amazing. The, one of the best <laughs> dramas I've ever seen. It's a sports like romance drama of like, their college years. It stars, Beyond Evil stars, Shin Ha-kyun as Lee Dong-sik. He's been in like 36 movies, including Room Number 7 with Dio from EXO, Do kyung okay. The Villainous, The Thieves. I think you can sense a theme that he's kind of in these like crime, gangster, dark movies. Yeah. He was also in The Thieves, which is a heist movie from 2012. That has an all-star cast. I would highly recommend watching The Thieves just for this cast. It stars Kim Hesu. That's our homegirl from Signal. From Signal. Nice. Lee Jae, which is from, he's from Squid Game most recently. Jiana Jun from My Love from Another Star and Legend of the Blue Sea. She's iconic. Kim So Hyun from My Love from Another Star. There you go. Lots of big names in that movie. And we this Beyond Evil also stars Yeo Jin-gu as Han Juan. He's been in like 13 movies so far, including Huayi, A Monster Boy, which is an action suspense thriller with an all-star cast as well. 
So that movie has Cho Jae Moon from Signal, Yoo Yeon Suk from Hospital Playlist as well. For, that's Doc Andreas for, for those who don't know. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Yoik Gu also has 25 shows under his belt. He plays basically the young version of nearly every major actor because when he was a child, he was basically a child actor. And you know how there's always flashback scenes, always always time jumps and all that stuff in yeah. the K-dramas? He was always the younger version of major stars. So these are some of... He was like Han Jung-woo's young version in I Miss You. He was Lee-hwan's younger version in The Moon Embracing the Sun. Warrior Baek Dong-su. Like, all of these are big shows. And they have, like, big actors in them. He has since grown up, right? And he's been in Hotel de Luna from 2019. That stars IU. And she starred in My Mister. And you can hear that episode if you scroll back in your podcast feed. We covered My Mister. My Absolute Boyfriend from 2019. And The Crowned Clown, which is a saguk. And that's on Netflix right now if you want to watch him in The Crowned Clown. So that's basically our cast. Just two guys playing off of each other. Pretty basically. much. We do have like a bit of an ensemble cast, but we could talk about that later. Right. All this out of the way, what did you think of Beyond Evil, Rico? So I... Okay, so I think this is a very good show. Very good. Okay. Uh, I think that the acting performances is what really drives it home. The writing's very good as well. Um, I really enjoy the dynamic between the two leads. I didn't think I was going to like it at first because I kind of, uh, his name, uh, Yi Xin, he plays Han Juan. Yeah. Um, so the younger dude. He kind of felt like he was too young to be in, in the role versus his counterpart. Like, I get the dynamic they were going for. At first, I was like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work for me because he seems a little too young. He seems <laughs> like it's like he's a little green. And then the way they're trying to, to sell him was, you know, oh, this guy is overachieved and he's one of the best detectives and we're, he's mm-hmm. transferring here. So, so like the description and his resume that didn't really match what I was seeing on screen. But as the show starts – and it starts to develop, you see, oh, this guy is actually good he's actor. He's got the chops. And he's got yeah. the chops. And and he could go one for one with our with the other star, uh Shin Ha uh, Shin Ha Kyung. Shin Ha Kyung, yeah. And so he plays uh Yi Dong Sik. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy their dynamic. Wow. I really enjoyed uh Dong Sik. Like yeah. his character, especially in the first half of the show, uh-huh. is just like you don't know whether or not this guy is actually evil or a villain or you know, a murderer or or he's a cop. Like you don't know because he's playing such a good job of confusing not only the other detective, the new detective, but he's also confusing the audience very well with the way he portrays like the smile that he puts on sometimes, which is yeah. like this maniacal smile. Like you don't know whether or not this guy is crazy. Like this guy is giving <laughs> off just a psychotic person, but yeah. at the same time, he's a very good detective yeah. and he knows 
the rules and he knows how to get by them as well. So mm-hmm. there are things that he does that he kind of he's playing things close to the vest and he is skirting around stuff and he seems suspicious and he does a great <laughs> job performing that. So to counter having uh, Hao Juan, having him uh, be like this guy who's kind of it, it almost feels like he's chasing him most of the time. And obviously mm-hmm. we get into things that happen in the show, but their performances work well. And then when they do work together as an actual team, mm-hmm. it's it's great stuff between the two of them. So I really enjoyed their dynamic. I enjoyed the story. Um, the show feels more like a thriller first half of the show. And then it moves more into like detective stuff in the second half of the show, Mm -hmm. which I I didn't have a problem with that. I think that's like a good dynamic of having like – because usually thrillers and detective shows kind of go hand in hand in a way. And so I really enjoy it, but I I can understand if people really enjoy thrillers, but then the detective aspect for them is maybe not really up to stuff for them at least. Um, And – the, the way the story gets to its like conclusion, I found satisfying. I found it to be oh, a satisfying okay. way of getting there. Although there's some moments where it drags in that second half of the story where I'm thinking, hmm, does, I don't know where else they can go. And then the final couple episodes, you, you see it and it's like, oh, okay. So this is where we're kind of building up to. And yeah. overall... I found this to be a good show. I, I enjoyed myself watching it. So that is that is my take. It's a very General. well-regarded show. Yes. I One saw of it. the best shows of best 2021. Yeah. yeah. One best drama at, yeah. a, at an award show. I, I'm not sure which one it was, but it did one best drama. Okay. So I had high expectations for this show. Okay. I'm going to let you know right now. I didn't like this show. You didn't like it. Oh, wow. I was like, oh, for sure Rico's going to like this show because it's very much like Signal, right? And you loved Signal from season one. Yeah, I did. So I was like, if there's any show that Rico has a potential to like get through, he won't, he won't like not finish like you did on Boys Over Flowers. That's true. It's this show. So I picked this one specifically like with you in mind. Let me just say, I thought I was going to love this show. And because of the setup of it, right, it felt like two shows. First okay. half was, like you said, uh, more of a thriller. Yeah, You didn't know what was going to happen. Who was who at fault? Who was the killer? There was a lot of, you know, doubting these characters that you kind of have come to know. And then in the latter half, it's more of a procedural. And you kind of get to the bottom of some history that happened the the 20 years ago, right? Yeah. And I'm trying not to give any spoilers away because this is one that I don't want to spoil for people, but that didn't sit well with me. The fact that this basically felt like two shows, I was way more invested in the first eight episodes than when stuff gets resolved and you kind of move on to the next phase of the show. I felt like it was dragging. I felt like they were spinning their wheels i felt really listless and it became way more of a chore to finish the episodes for me 
like I was sitting there like, oh, like kind of just dreading like watching these episodes. Wow. <laughs> I know, I know. But I will say that I loved Shin Hye Kyun's performance as Dong Sik, like absolutely amazing. Yeah. I was kept on my toes for most of the show. I didn't know where his allegiances were. I didn't know if he was good or bad. And that was a great thing. I loved not knowing. That was the addictive part of the show. But once you do get to know where where he's coming from and what he is, the mystery of that taken away was like... Mm like kind of felt like a dud to me because that was really mm. compelling. Gotcha. The whole show is cat and mouse. The whole show is a cat and mouse chase between I, those two characters yeah. and them two against the world, basically. Yeah. I enjoy a good cat and mouse adventure. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but there was too much manic laughing in the show for me mm. like they would just p- characters would just start laughing to break up tension or show bravado in a situation and that irked me tremendously um i felt like the show ended up being more about money and power than yeah. it did about a villain being after blood okay yeah you know what i'm saying i can i can totally get it I totally get and that. that plays into like the two halves of the show and what the th- what the goal is for the each of the like the first half and the second half. In, this show really reminds me of an American show, and okay. that What's is the, show? the Killing. Oh, and I so watch that. One. This is a show on AMC. It has a very similar type of concept where mm-hmm. there is kind of like the jaded older veteran detective and mm-hmm. now this young brash kind of like with bravado detective they are joined together to investigate the murder of a young girl and then as the show goes you know there's a lot of like red herrings and then there's like this cat and mouse game of like are you involved with this type of thing and then like some like political stuff like kind of interjects right. itself into the story Mm-hmm. And I kind of felt like parallels there where I think a lot of people who enjoy the killing, the show, mm-hmm. probably enjoy that first aspect of the show where it's like the mystery and the, you know, you don't know who to trust type of thing, kind of like mm-hmm. in this version. But then when it starts getting into like, oh, there's like political ambitions involved and, and stuff, that show also had that mire its second season so Mm -hmm. i I see a lot of the similarities between these two shows so those who haven't seen uh beyond evil but have seen the killing maybe you can see what Mm -hmm. i'm saying in terms of how similar that could be i thought it was going to be a little more like seven okay movie seven yeah where you did have that older more jaded experienced detective and then a younger really naive but smart detective right and that wasn't exactly the case at all. Like, I no. kind of wanted the villain to run the game a little more. Mm. <laughs> and, he, and he didn't. No. No, he didn't. Not at all. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, it, you could say he did for two decades, but well, yeah, as but far like in terms as, like, of episode a, you know, count. hitting against the police, like, not really. Exactly. In terms of episode count, the villain's not really doing too much. To antagonize the police. Yeah. 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 Um, I did like that the show wasn't set in Seoul. I love the setting oh, yeah. of a small town for yes. 
the most better part of the show. It's set in this small town. And I love that. I like that also about the other show that we reviewed, When the Camellia Blooms. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where you're outside of Seoul. Seoul is like the New York of Korea. So anytime you're outside of New York in a Western film or TV show, you're like, yes, oh, my God, a breath of fresh air. And that's kind of how it feels like for K-dramas as well. Oh, finally, not in Seoul. (laughs) Finally, we're not in Seoul. And I also really liked the support and camaraderie from, I called it the Munju Butcher Shop Club. Ah, yes. Because they would constantly meet up at the butcher shop. And it was childhood friends, now adults, and how they did sort of hate each other, but joined forces against outsiders and common enemies. And it reminded me again of, of the town in When the Camellia Blooms, where it's like, they're frenemies most of the time, but if some outsider comes in or somebody's threatening them, they're going to unite. Yes, and they're going to face it you know, all together. Yeah, and I really like that. Yeah, that that's an interesting dynamic you don't get to see a lot, where people who don't really get along too much, but join forces against a common threat. And mm-hmm. I use that as a whether it's an actual threat or whether it's just an outsider coming in. But right. yeah, they join forces like, uh, okay, th- I may not like this guy, but we right. definitely don't like you. <laughs> right. But then also how the suspicions surrounding the case or cases breaks up their friendship. Yeah. And causes them to fracture, which is really intriguing to me. Yeah, it is. Uh, last thing I'll say, Yojingu as Juwan amazing i've seen him in a bunch of stuff he's excellent i think that he is kind of like the leo dicaprio of k-drama okay and he's the best years are ahead of him Uh, and look how good he is now he is pretty good it's pretty amazing i was he surprised me because at first i was just thinking like i wonder if they got this guy because maybe he's a good looking young guy type of thing that's what I thought at first, but boy, did he prove me wrong. So I'm glad. No, I'm glad he's really good looking. Um, no lie. Like he's got such a beautiful face. Like, and his skin is so smooth. Like I still don't, can't quite wrap my head around how like the texture right, of his face is like flawless. Yeah. <laughs> and he's always looked like that. Like if always. you look at him oh, in wow. the, when he's like playing the young version of like so-and-so. Yeah. He looked just like that, only like baby, like the little kid. So he's hasn't changed. Like that's not plastic surgery or anything. Oh wow. He just grew up. Yeah. Crazy. (laughs) I know. It's really cute. It's it's pretty cute, I think. Anyway, anything else that you want to say about Beyond Uh, Evil in a general sense before we get into spoilers? No, let's go ahead and let's get into spoilers. Okay, cool. So we're gonna get into spoilers for Beyond Evil right after this. Hey, you want to come in? And we totally forgot to give our soju scores. So, how many soju bottles would you give this show? Uh, out of five soju bottles, I am giving it four soju bottles. <gasps> four out of five. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. I enjoyed this move. Uh, this show. This show. Quite Damn. A bit. Yeah. I. Fair. Fair. I will give it three. Three, Three out soju of five. bottles. Yeah. Okay. Got it. It's not the worst watch, but again, not my favorite. And I don't think I would return to it, but I can't deny that it's pretty good. Like, you know, objectively, some parts of it are really good. So there you have it. All right. 
So now that we're in the spoiler section, I can say that the first half of the show is about catching that serial killer. Yes. And the one who chops off the fingers. The one who chops off the fingers of his victims, which was so heinous. I was driving down to Miami with my sister in the middle of watching this show, and I told her all about the serial killer, which FYI, he doesn't exist. This this show is not based on a true story, which no. is great because I thought this was really crazy. So I was telling her about the serial killer who's totally made up for the show. And she was like, and I thought this was a kind of a cool thing. She would get a kick out of this because she likes true crime. Apparently, she's lost her touch, hasn't watched true crime in a while. <laughs> she was like, why are you telling me this? This is too much. It's very unnerving and like gross. And I was like, what? I thought this was kind of. I thought this would intrigue you, and no, it didn't. The fingertips, cutting off the fingertips, what meaning did you find in that? Because they never quite tell you why he did that. The only thing I can think of of why he was doing it was just, it wasn't even like a memento, but more like a, just like a signal that this is me doing it, even though you don't know who I am, just like I am this serial killer so when you find the body, you know that it was me who did it type of thing. That's the only reason I can come up with is that I to thought, mark who he I, is. Okay. So you thought it was like a signature. A yeah. Serial that's, what signature. I, that's what I was thinking is it's the only reason I can think of. And he was also like wrapping up the feet meticulously so that their shoes and feet were not dirty when they were dug up or found or what have you. Yeah. It, but the fingertips being chopped, all 10 fingers were being chopped off and placed perfectly in a public place. So I thought because all of the fingers had elaborate nail art and mm. uh, manicures, I was like, oh, maybe he hates like these gaudy manicures with like bling and, you know, all this stuff on the nail. But they never said that. I was like, why are we not talking about why... Why is he? Why is he doing this? Why is he chopping off the fingers? Like, yeah, you're strangling women, but like, <laughs> why are you chopping off all their fingers? And then I thought maybe it's so that they can't identify the bodies. But then he was putting out the fingers in public, so then they were identifying the victims. So like, it was it was irking me so bad. I was like, why? Tell me why? Why is he wrapping up the feet? Like, I just think I think he was that, like cleaning the shoes before he yeah, like buried it them. Was, like it was like it was a little crazy. weird. I still think that it is because he wants to leave a mark. He wants to let people know that this is his. It's kind of like if you've seen the movie Zodiac. Like there, there's markings that certain killers right. want to leave to signify to the world that they have committed this crime. You know, uh -huh. so. I just think that that's what he was doing. That was, it's his signature. It's his calling card. So that way when police find the body, they mm. know, oh, this serial killer has struck again. So mm -hmm. that's the only, that's the only thing I could come up with. And it's the only thing that in this, in the show that, that makes sense for that reasoning. Because again, it's not so they can't find out who it is because again, right. they find the fingers, the fingers are found. So... <laughs> I think it's just a calling card. Why do you say it like that? They found the fingers. The fingers are found. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said it the like th that. That's the thing. The thing is that. 
Oh. That's the most Miami thing you could have done. Yeah, it is. It, it it reverse really is. the sentence. Reverse, <laughs> reverse the sentence after I've already said it. <laughs> All right. So Juwan's character comes into the show with misophobia, which is an extreme or irrational fear of dirt or contamination. Yeah. Which I thought was going to play a much bigger role in the show. This like mania that he has. Yeah. Especially if, like, they're digging up bodies and stuff like that, you would think. The first few episodes, they're, like, in the reed field. He's getting dirty and all this stuff. And they're like, get used to it because this is the job. We're going to be, you know, chasing after dementia patients in open, muddy fields. And that's pretty much it. Like, he doesn't seem to have an issue with his phobia the rest of the show until the very last episode where they're serving him food and they're like oh he doesn't like sh- using shared objects like get him an, a brand new plate and he's like oh don't worry about it and like eats off the plate right he overcomes it <laughs> he overcomes it which i didn't like i thought that was really half-baked because they could have kind of done something with it yeah they just never did i they don't know never they, used they it. tried to give the character a quirk that mm. they i it just felt like they never expounded upon Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. But I liked when they found the bodies. That was very shocking to me when they came across the bodies in the reed field. And the end of episode one was excellent, right? Yes, like, it was. Did you really not kill your sister? And then he turns slowly and smiles at Just him. Smiles at him. It's like sinister ass smile. Loved it. Fantastic Loved way to it. start a show. I know. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like, what else are they going to dish out? But I I don't know. I don't think they ever really bounced back from that first episode, which is pretty great. Um, hmm. No, I. Well, OK, I know. Well, that OK, you so here's my. Of it, but right. OK, I think let me, there's let me, moments for sure. Let me walk it back because I was shocked in episode two when they show him putting out the fingers. Yes. I have in all caps, it was him putting the fingers out. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) My notes are so frenetic. Anyway, that moment was so great to me because it made you really think that he was a serial killer. He killed his own sister. At the very least, killed his own sister. Right. And the show does a great job of making you believe that. Yes. Yes, because they show this tension between the siblings. They're twins, but he's like the lesser twin. The community doesn't doesn't really rally around him. She's like a great student and got into a soul university. It's a big deal. And he's like resentful toward his sister. You could see it in those flashbacks. So you kind of think maybe he offered. Maybe he offered. Maybe Maybe this entire show is going to be like a cat and mouse where this detective is trying to basically outrun or outsmart the other detective and you you know maybe that's the show i know i know and it's not quite that it's not quite that but they do kind of throw into question everyone else's validity like everybody in the butcher shop club is called into question as possibly being a killer and i really enjoyed those episodes because you're like man is it like that fofo that's in the police force who's doing all these weird like jobs like he's cleaning his car for him and he's like good friends with the victim you know these things run through your mind and you're you're kind of questioning yourself like is my judgment like as bad as these people (laughs) Mm. who should i trust right who can you trust in the show? Who can you trust? 
Episode 16, they finally reveal that the dad, the mentally handicapped dad, yes, killed his own daughter. Insane. I was shocked. I wasn't ready for that to be No. Like, no. I just wasn't ready for that. No. I was literally on the floor. I couldn't believe I there was no way to just explain to you how like completely shaken I was by that reveal because I didn't guess it. No, neither did you. Did, did you guess no. it? Okay. Oh, no. No, no, no. Not at all. And then he was faking his mentally handicapped. Mental handicap. That's how you or throw autism people off or whatever the it was. scent. Right. Especially as viewers. Like, you- he was like, I think later he said people will believe anything you say if you just s- s- stutter a little. <laughs> what the hell? Oh man. oh man! Oh my god! Diabolical! Uh, very well done. Diabolical. <laughs> but yes, I will. Yes, and he I was killing do. friends. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he was. And like he's killing people he knew. Yeah, that, that's just a crazy sick person, and just kept doing it. And then the over cover up. So so crazy, like. So the cover-up, this is when I think it gets, because here's my thing, you're already just swimming around with the same fish for eight episodes, right? Yeah. And they're calling into question everyone's trust and who, you know, who did it, who's the serial killer? Okay, it's this fish. Then, for the next few episodes until the end of the show, you're still in that same fish tank with the same 12 fish, and it's he said, she said... All the way back 20 years, cat and mouse, cat and mouse with all these fish. And you realize that you're kind of getting bored. Like there's nothing like who else are we going to blame? So this is a ring around the rosy. I feel like this show could have done a better job of using like the back half or those few episodes right there, like episodes like uh, 11 through 14, like those episodes Mm -hmm. Could have been like great suspense of some red herrings, like mm. to really build out tension. Like, oh wait, is it this person? Wait, we we got it wrong. Like, like I wish they would have done that because if not, we wouldn't have had like those episodes of just. Mm-hmm. It almost felt like filler because they have to get to sixteen. So how do we get it? So we just keep like circling around in the same mm-hmm. same place that we're in until we yeah. have to hit that mark of we're opening a new door and now we have an actual killer. So right. yeah. So if they would have played around yeah. a little bit with this that. show could have benefited from being 12 episodes. Yes. First off. Yes. yes. 100%. Second of all, yes, they could have thrown in a little more deception and like yeah. for the audience as not for these characters. And then they could have revealed a little more, but honestly it was like, Three steps back, one step forward for like four or five episodes. Yeah, you're right. And that felt really disheartening to me, like as an audience member. I can agree with you on that. Because it felt like I was being taken for a ride. Because I've seen these characters already for 12 episodes and now it's being revealed that they did this and they did that and they hid this and they paid off so and so and like it was just like too much. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. But I did like these villains. Like, 
Mm. Despite the writing being like kind of like wishy-washy for those episodes, I really like these villains. I think they're proper villains. They are. Do you want to go ahead and introduce them? Let's start. Yeah, yeah. I can just. So you had Councilwoman Dohewan, mm-hmm. who is played by Gil Heyon. Yes. Gil Heyon is the evil mother from Something in the Rain. Yeah. And bruh. So you edited that episode. You kind of heard like. I heard a little bit of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She is the worst in that show. <laughs> and she is actually the worst in this show as well. She because is. She basically hated how her son was devoted to his friends, and she covered up what she thought was a hit and run murder of Dong Dong Sik, I think. Dong Sik, Dong Sik's sister. Yep, Dong Sik's sister. sister. She even destroyed evidence, tampered with forensic reports on the freaking guitar pick. The guitar pick. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> she used ill means to become a politician. Citing the Munju development as a key corner of her campaign. She was just super ruthless, callous, heartless. And finally, in episode 15, I'm like rewarded for all of this like stuff in the plot. Plot gymnastics, I would call them. Right. (laughs) 15, she reveals that she used to lock up her son on the deer farm because she was sick of him and his timidness, how he could never look her in the eye. And when he started exhibiting trauma, (laughs) saying that he could hear the deer screaming, she felt bad and decided to try being a proper mom. And 20 years later, after all of this shit that went down, she's like, I'm done. I'm not mom material. And she says to her son, from now on, just listen to those deers crying. Oh, wow. So, and I was like, yeah. damn! <laughs> that, is, that is messed up. <laughs> I was just like, that's a proper... Cry. That's a proper villain. Like, she went full yeah. Hannibal Lecter on, on him and was like, do you, do you hear the lambs crying? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what you want from a villain. Someone... Someone to truly root against, like someone right. who you want to see their comeuppance. And yes. Yeah. So I- I'm glad that they had a villain like this for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then one of her buddies was Yi Chang Jin, who is JL Construction Kane Man in my notes. <laughs> he is actually played by Ho Song Tae. He's the face tattoo guy from Squid Game. Oh, well, I still haven't watched Squid Game. <sighs> you got to yeah, watch Squid Game. But we covered Squid Game with your bro, Miguel. That's true. So if you want to listen to our thoughts on Squid Game, you can scroll back in your podcast feed and listen to that episode. But he is, Ho Song Tae is villainous. Like, I think he's really, like, I don't think he's a nice guy in real life because he's so good playing this role. And even the Squid Game role is just, like, terrifying. So this guy, he was a thug. He wanted to be more, get into real estate, construction. He bought up a bunch of land in Munju at a low price, thanks to his police force friend. He was the cleaner for, for like the troop. And by cleaner, I mean he was getting rid of evidence, murdering people left and right. He divorced the violent crimes police inspector lady. He never needed a cane. He was also deceiving everyone into thinking that he was a cripple. He's not. He's not. And he tried to clean up Dong Sik's sister's death, but he couldn't. That was like a 
train wreck. The, the fact that the body ended up back in the serial killer's possession. We could talk about that right. later. Yeah, that yeah, was nuts. No, yeah, yeah, that's nuts. I don't know. how. That, that was happened, nuts. But, but Chang Jin killed the good police chief. Yeah. Like in, you know. And then he killed the serial killer by giving him the fishing line so he could hang himself. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think that's pretty villainous. That's like, like No, that's very villainous. I like very good. <laughs> this guy because he's so condescending as well and he thinks he's smarter than the police and he knows he has protection. So you just every time he has that smug smile on his face, you just want to slap him. Yeah, again, a good villain. You don't want to see mm-hmm. anything good for them. You want to see the worst. <laughs> <laughs> but to round out this uh Three Amigos. We have Papa Commissioner. Yes. Played by Choi Jin Ho. He's obsessed with perfection. And I found this character really cool because he had like this whole complex, right? Like he his whole life was leading up to him becoming the police commissioner and rising to the top of the police force. He married a woman that he didn't love. He just wanted her connections. And then he got angry when she became a suicidal alcoholic and he couldn't, like, control her. So he imprisoned her in a mental institution so he could better maintain his public image. Good Lord. (laughs) This is like a superhero villain. It really is. It is. And then he sent his son away for schooling in America. And then he was mad. He got upset that his son didn't turn out more like him. Yeah, when you (laughs) send your son away. Yeah, How's when he gonna be don't spend like time you? with you. Yeah, exactly. But then he slaughtered Dongsik's sister while drunk driving. Yeah. Pulled strings to tamper with CCTV, collecting evidence, and so his minions could do his bidding. He was an expert liar. You yes, love to see it. Like, this you is to see great. It. I just love it. Like, I love to see it, even though it's terrible. But <laughs> I found this character really just disconcerting yeah because he thought he was a good man you know what i'm saying right all of his actions in his own head he is the he's the hero of his own story right and the other two villains you kind of get the feeling that they know they're bad right not this guy not this guy he's delusions yes of, of heroicness pretty much yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's the dichotomy, like seeing those two different types of aspects of villains. There's mm-hmm. the villains who do nefarious stuff and pretty much know they're getting away with something versus mm-hmm. the people who are doing the nefarious things and don't realize that they are doing nefarious things. Right. Yeah. The- like he called the murder of the sister. He was like, oh, that's just a small mistake, a very small mistake. Exactly. That that's not that's not villainous material, but it makes for a good villain because it's a guy who believes his own story, his own crap. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. And then you pair him with his ultra righteous son, who is super naive and has like a one track mind. Right. But understands that his dad sucks. <laughs> yeah. He well, I think fundamentally. Goodness. Thank goodness that yeah. he realizes that dad sucks because that type yeah. of character in, in – especially in Western stories, I've seen characters like that where they're kind of militant about the way they mm-hmm. they go mm-hmm. about 
their process and how they have to be perfect. And usually it stems because of their father. And most of the time it's not until like, you know, like the final act of a story where we see them rebel against the fathers, you know, and they're like, it's because of you. I'm like this or, you know, whatever. (laughs) Uh, So I'm glad that they actually, you know, have it so that the, the character realizes that the father's not perfect and he's actually not great guy at all. Yeah, I did like that he was ended up being the big bad of the show. That was a good. You know? That was a great. I didn't way. like the journey, but I liked the destination because the, destination the dad was, was was proper. Yeah, that too. was a proper way because that's a good way of tying in everybody into the story. Because yeah. if it would have been just like some you know someone on the outside who we didn't really have any time with, it, it kind yeah. of makes it I, hard to you know really invest in like oh it was him or oh mm-hmm. it was her like you don't really get that chance so i'm glad it was him and it was him trying to pull strings and be mm-hmm. from behind the scenes trying to do all these nefarious things those those are pretty interesting villains to me at least yeah in episode 10 there was a really good moment where he kind of did like a no dad i'm giving up your dream <laughs> <laughs> and he, but he did it better he did it better well yeah yeah he goes <laughs> because juan says I'm different from that woman who fell for you, married you, had me, and then died. <laughs> that's that's one way of telling off like, the dad. Like, <laughs> he went off. He went off on the dad. And his dad just being super neglectful and then trying to control his life and deter him from digging up the closed case. Like, he was, like, not having it. The kid was like, fuck off. <laughs> that's it. It's time for me to live my life. Yeah. But then in that same episode, the old chief got clipped and I was like, oh, like it was just <laughs> like one high, one low. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> every, every episode. Oh, man. No, I, I enjoyed a lot of the stuff for sure. Yeah. Did you have a favorite character? Um, I still think it's a Dong Six character. Dong Six. Yeah. What were your favorite scenes with him? I think most. Well, OK, so there's the moments. Where he is being like that crazy, you know, with a grin on his face where mm-hmm. you can't tell whether or not he's he's the killer. But I believe it's in episode 10 where, damn it, uh, Dante finds out that uh, Union didn't die uh, by strangulation, but oh, like yeah. had numerous breaks in the body and like the breakdown that yeah. he has is actually very good acting. Mm-hmm. Very good acting. Just putting like that emotion behind it. Um, I believe that was an episode. Did I get the right episode? Episode 10 or episode 11? Where, that sounds about right. Yeah, oh, well, around there. It's right around there. Um, and so, and I do, I do like, like a lot of him sneaking around, like keeping things close to the vest because obviously he's trying it's kind of hard to describe him because, again, he's a great detective, right? But at the same time, like, he does stuff that's not so good. It doesn't look good on paper, you mm-hmm. know? And he's always kind of suspect. Like, mm-hmm. he's act the way he acts. So I found that very intriguing for me. So it's like a lot of those little moments when you, like, put them together throughout the story is what mm-hmm. really drives me. Is like, oh, why is he doing this? Oh, what is he trying to hide? You know, like like little things like that. 
So I just thought of a great comparison for this character. So he reminded me of Lethal Weapon. But instead of it being two characters, like the crazy loose wire Mel Gibson character and the old, weary, almost retired age detective, it's like you mix them both together and that's Thumbsick. Oh, you're right. You're right. There is a good mix there of those two characters in him. Because there is like that veteran cop who knows it all type of thing, Mm -hmm. but also there is that loose cannon of you never know what he's trying to do. You Mm -hmm. never know what he's You can't predict his next move. Yes, exactly. You can't predict his next move. Yes. So you're right about that. Yeah. So a lot of little moments add up to like the greater sum of his whole performance for me. Mm. Yeah. I would agree. I think it's really good. Um, let's talk about how his sister's body ended up, first of all, she got run down right. by the commish. By the commissioner. The end game was he, she ended up in his, the basement of his, of her own house, of their house. Yep. And I don't think I quite liked that whole thing. Cause that was like another mystery they had to figure out. Like, how did she get from point A to point Z? Right. They did have to and try to figure that out. It ended up being that she got run down twice. The second time, they came to clean up, and JL Construction had her in the back of like a car, and was gonna deal with her some way. And our serial killer <laughs> was watching the entire thing. Saw her get run down initially. Saw her get run down the second time. And then saw what they were going to do to dispose of her body and then stole the body from them. Right. So. I don't think that was a good, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that didn't ring as, like, a great way to resolve that whole mystery. Because they, it seems like they wrote it in, right? They were like, oh, she was in the basement the whole time. And then. And then when it comes time, how'd she get there? Yeah. Right. And they couldn't think of a good way. So this was the mm-hmm. only way they could like figure out. The serial like, killer stole her body from out under them. But it, for what? You know, for exactly. What? Like if yeah. you're thinking like, about it. He didn't it, like, bury her in the same way that he did the other ones. No. So it's not so, like he's like. It didn't feel like he was deci- trying to take care credit for it. But like. Right. Why do but it still in the first decided place? to put her fingers out in their front yard. That is true. So like he didn't miss that deadline. No. <laughs> No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Like, I'm going to get my calling card off either way. (laughs) I didn't do it. What's black and blue and red all over? (laughs) Didn't miss the card. Nope. Didn't miss the joke. (laughs) It's like the Riddler. That's a Riddler joke for the recent, the Batman movie. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, um, so then he kept the body for for a while because it wasn't until Dongsik went... And served in the military that he did some construction work on their boiler room and then buried her in there. Right. Brick, bricked her up in there. Yeah, bricked her up in there. So, I mean, like, what? <laughs> For what purpose? <laughs> For what? Yeah. I still don't know why. Was that like a form of respect? Because he said he was like very proud kind of of the fact that he didn't kill her. He kept saying, insisting, no, I didn't kill her. I, I returned her. her to you. I mean, I don't see how that's returning her, but okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but no, it, that doesn't make sense to me as to why he would take the body. It just doesn't make sense. 
if, uh-huh. especially and it wasn't his kill you know what i'm saying right it's not his kill he's not even accepting that it's his kill even though he you know he does the his yeah. own his own calling card for it but yeah you're right like there's no reason for him to take the body mm. but the writers probably wrote themselves into a corner of like what a cool idea would be if mm-hmm. he if she ended up in the basement and then once they got to that point it's like well how does she end up there and so then they had to kind of like write themselves into that and something, mm-hmm. and a lot of times, things like that don't work. Like you can, there have been shows or certain things where you can see where a writer is kind of writing themselves into because they have an idea and they want to go there, but then the way they get there doesn't make sense. Hmm. Yeah. And this is kind of what happened there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I've come to the end of my notes. I just have this like quote. Okay. For from episode eleven, where they like pour one out for the chief, uh, and they do his like signature toast, where yeah. he says like "got money," and they're like, "No, sir, in good health, no, sir, sure. anything to live for, let's drink." <laughs> <laughs> uh, that and was I thought that touching, was really cute. That was a touching yeah. tribute. So mm-hmm, for sure, yeah. In the end, these two like detectives, you know, grow respect for each other. And they do, yeah. They do. And uh I was expecting that. I was hoping for it and we got it. So for me it was, you know, somewhat of a somewhat of a happy ending, even though uh, you know, <laughs> somebody goes to jail. <laughs> people but people died. People died and people went to jail. But uh yeah. other otherwise, other than that, there was oh, still the Chevy cars that were everywhere, oh, that product yeah. placement. That was I mean, that was some heavy Let me just say placement. I have never seen a Chevy car in a K-drama before. This was my first one. I was like, do they have Chevys in Korea? That this is was surprising. A, that is a truly American car, an American company, mm-hmm. GM. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so I, I, I highly <laughs> doubt that they're sending GM cars over there. So this is a great like, hey, let's introduce yes. <laughs> the Korean I was population like, well, to this Well, this is bold. <laughs> this is bold. <laughs> Um, I'll say one last qualm one last qualm that I had for the show is that like I said before it ended up being more about money and power than it did about the serial killings yeah and I I didn't like that it just um, it was more about also trauma responses to violence against women Mm. and it felt a little disrespectful to focus on the story of male police officers both corrupt and righteous who didn't much care about the victims. Mm. The only people who really cared about the mass of women who were killed over the span of 20 years was Dong Sik, who was only in it for, to find his sister. Right. And the butcher, who was only in it to find her mother. They were directly related to the victim. Yeah. And that was it. Like, no one else seemed to, like, kind of process mm. that this many women were killed right okay i see what you're saying yeah so it felt a little like in poor taste i wonder if it would have felt different if one of the main characters maybe was a female detective well there was a female well yeah i mean you're right there there was um but I but they kind of dumbed her down too because she was so connected with the jail construction guy yeah who was her ex-husband so, yeah, so I mean as in one of those two leads mm-hmm. was 
a female detective and maybe mm-hmm. she could have been the one that she's not just doing it because she's a detective, but because she sees the problem of so many women being neglected who mm-hmm. this happens to them all the time. And she has mm-hmm. like a, it feels personal to her, even though she doesn't have like, like she's not a victim or, you know, she doesn't have someone that, that suffered through one of mm-hmm. these, but she feels the the cause that a lot of these girls and women are being neglected and, and forgotten. And she, she feels a cause to that. Maybe that would have been a, a way of going about it. There's also an angle here where a lot of the women were disenfranchised, illegal to the country, and mm-hmm. they don't really kind of go into that either, that he was grabbing people who wouldn't be missed and grabbing people who were greatly missed, who were pers- personal to him right? as well, friends yeah. for him. Uh, so they don't really go could, into that as well. They could have explored that in those three episodes that we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, I would have loved to know, like, you know. What was why, the rationale? What was... What was the rationale for this wide MO? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, the last thing I'll say is that in regards to kind of like the female perspective of this show, which is kind of largely absent. Yeah, it is. Is I watched this documentary on Netflix called The Rainco Killer that, you know, anyone can watch it at this point. It's, I think, Korea's first serial killer, if I'm not mistaken, like the first oh. one that actually made headlines. And they call him The Rainco Killer because... If you haven't noticed by now, in Korea, they had or have this weird thing where they get a suspect, especially a killer. They will parade them on the grounds of the um, of the serial killings. What's that called? The uh, the the crime scene. The crime scenes. Okay. They will take them on like a pilgrimage to the crime scene and have them like say details how they did things, try and jog their memory. And it's kind of like weird because we don't have that here in the States where like they take the guy back to the crime scene for whatever reason. And so they did that for the raincoat killer and it was a rainy day and he was wearing a yellow raincoat. And that's why they call him the raincoat killer. Not that he killed these people in the rain. He was just wearing the yellow raincoat. He was wearing a raincoat killer when the press got these crazy mm. photos and like footage of him I see. on on this pilgrimage. Anyway, and in this documentary, they had this female CSI who was talking about how they were desperately trying to get fingerprints off of these decomposed bodies to identify the victims and how she did this one print countless times. Like they gave the number and it was this insane number how – the sample kept getting um, messed up because the victim was decomposing and there was fluid and it was it, she couldn't get a good fingerprint. And the way that she told the story and how emotional she got and how she was like praying with the victim, like, please let me help you. Let me, you know, please let me get this print, whatever. And like spending time with the victim and being very personal with a victim that she had no idea who it was, was not connected with, but she felt compassion toward the victims who were unidentified at that point and her story and how she told it was so emotional to me it made me cry and Mm. there was none of that in this show and it could have made the show even greater i i will totally concede that for sure (laughs) um what was the name of that uh so people can oh the raincoat killer that's the name of it. And where could people find um, that? Netflix. Netflix. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get a little history there, check that out on Netflix for sure. Yes. It's very emotional, but I highly recommend it. It's nuts. So I think with that being said, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, I'm good. No, I'm good. I, I think this is a very good show. Very good. Nice. I, I, I am so glad that you enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it as much, but I will concede that it's it's got its merits. Yeah, it has its <laughs> merits for sure. For sure. And for sure. I think that if you like thrillers and if you like police procedurals, you know, this is you you definitely could do worse than this. This is a very mm. good this is a very good one. Uh but you, there's some there's some bad shows out there that you know, try to be police procedurals and they're just bad, you know? So this is a good one. Yeah. This is a good one for me. It's a good one. So (laughs) nice. I'm so glad you liked it. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Rico, because it's special when you're here Yes. (laughs) now within this time. Yeah. I appreciate it. It was good being back and uh, we'll look forward to seeing what other shows I could try to hop on here. If I can. (laughs) I know, man, you got to try, you got to try. Of course. Well, Thanks so much for listening, guys. Again, if you want to stay up to date on everything that we're doing, I run wild with our social media accounts. You can find us pretty much everywhere at ATC Pod. And if you want to support the show, please, we would so appreciate it. It's You can support the show on Patreon for as little as $2 a month. And you can find that link at patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. And you can always buy us a cup of coffee as well. I just started a coffee for ATC Debox so that you don't have to subscribe or anything it's not a monthly subscription it's just however much you want to tip us buy us a coffee whatever you want and um, that link is also in our bio and in the show notes so I think with that being said that's been our show I'm Jessica and I'm Rico and this has been the ATC Presents Debox K Rambles Podcast